So we're in a two-part message series called The Sacraments. In this last week, I gave a definition of sacraments in order to get the series started. I want to give that definition again. It's also in the top of your notes. The sacraments of baptism and communion are simple practices instituted by Jesus and graciously given to the church, which reflect Christ's redemption of sinners and symbolize God's inner work in the lives of believers. The sacraments reflect a reality far beyond water, bread, and wine for those who have eyes to see and a heart to understand. As I shared this last week, we do not participate in the sacraments to earn salvation, but rather those who are saved participate in order to remember what Christ has done. This last week, I shared a challenge when it comes to the sacraments, as well as my goal over these two messages. And here's that challenge once again. The challenge is that Jesus used very simple objects, things like water, bread, wine, the cross, in order to symbolize these deep spiritual realities. But our exposure to those simple objects causes us to become desensitized over time. What I mean by that is the more often believers participate in communion, the more often we see people baptized, the easier it is to separate or to divide the object from the owner himself. So my goal, my prayer in these two messages is that God would allow me to present truths in such a way that it would recapture people's hearts for the sacraments, that somehow the Holy Spirit would take the words of Scripture use these two messages in order to help people once again enjoy and have our hearts captured for the reality of what the sacraments represent. So this last week we began with the first sacrament of communion. And in that message I talked about its origin being in the Passover meal and how you need to understand the Passover meal to understand communion and how communion itself is designed to share the redemptive story of God. And today we address the second sacrament of baptism. Uh, many people know this already, but just very simply stated, baptism is an initial step of a disciple's journey with Jesus. It is how we publicly identify as being followers of Christ. Now, refusing to take that step, or for that matter, indefinitely postponing that step, will have a negative impact on our relationship with God. Now, the reason I share that is because our walk with God grows at the intersection of two words, trust and obey. Will we trust him? Will we obey him? A no to either one of those particular questions is going to stall our growth in Christ. It's going to disrupt our intimacy with God. And often you'll find that a note to either one of those questions will bring the chastening hand of God into our lives. Now, Jesus is very clear when he tells his disciples to baptize new followers in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the question becomes, what gets in the way of that happening? Why is that not natural? Why is that not almost immediate? Like, if Jesus says, be baptized then why is that not one of the first things that many people do when it comes to being saved? Well, there's a number of ways that we could answer this, but I think a lot of it comes back to two different words, confusion and fear. 
So let's talk for a moment about confusion. People are confused at both extremes. And here's what I'm talking about with extremes. They either place too much emphasis on baptism, thinking it's only something that really, 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 really spiritual people do, or they place too little emphasis on baptism, thinking God's only going to be serious about it if he writes the word baptism in their Cheerios at breakfast. It should be one of those things that baptism should not paralyze people with fear, nor should it be seen as unimportant. It is a trust and obey proposition. Now, baptism can also be confusing because of a lot of our religious traditions. Every church is different. Every denomination is different. For that matter, churches within denominations are different. So some people are baptized as infants. Others are baptized as adults. Some people are sprinkled. Others get dunked. We do a lot of dunking going on in this church. Some people are baptized in these elaborate baptistries. It looks like one of Solomon's porticos. And then other people are baptized in their backyard jacuzzi or in a swimming pool or in a river or in the ocean or in a lake or in a horse trough. By the way, I've been known to baptize a lot of people in a horse trough. In fact, we would put a horse trough in the back of my truck, fill it with water, go down to a homeless church we were starting, and baptize people on the street. Now, by the way, when you turn the corner with the baptistry filled, you got to be careful on that. So baptism can be confusing. If you're confused about it, I understand. That's why I'm actually doing this message I want to do my best to help people understand what baptism is and to try to remove a lot of the confusion. And I want to do my best to give people the confidence they need to follow Christ obediently. Now, I'm going to give you my unrealistic plan, my prayer from the very beginning. Here's how unrealistic this is. I'm going to give it to you, and that way if I tell you, you'll know where we're going. Here's my prayer. By the time this service is over with, Every single person in this room who has repented of their sin by placing faith in Jesus Christ will have already been baptized or will get baptized today. That's the plan. I, I want to be very clear. Like, I, I, I have a purpose in this. I want to encourage people today to take that next step of obedience when it comes to their walk with God. Now, for us to do that, I'm going to give one big truth, and we are going to pull that apart in multiple different ways. Here's your big truth. Christian baptism is a symbolic act of obedience that identifies a person with Jesus while telling the gospel story. Let me share that again. Christian baptism is a symbolic act of obedience that identifies a person with Jesus while telling the gospel story. That's our truth. We're going to come at it from multiple angles. I invite you to go with me in your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter number 8. Acts 8, we're going to be in verses 34 through 39. I'm speaking this morning simply on the topic of baptism. Acts chapter 8, 34 through 39. It says, The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all of your heart, you may. 
And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may every obstacle fall in front of obedience to you this morning. We have sung that you would be glorified. God, you alone are the one who can do that. So, Lord, today, may you use your word. May you use my lips. May your spirit move in the hearts of people today. God, across the board, may we bring our obedience up to date. In Jesus' name, amen. So it has been said that there are at least seven physical or symbolic baptisms that are found in Scripture. These are listed in your notes. The first is the baptism of Moses found in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 3. It spoke of God's people being under the cloud and going through the sea. It was a type of baptism. Then there's the baptism of John, mentioned specifically Mark chapter 1, verse 4. Then there's the baptism of Jesus, found in Matthew chapter 3, 13 through 17. Then there's the baptism of fire, found in Matthew 3, 11 and 12. This is speaking of Jesus judging the world of sin. Then there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14. This occurs at salvation, that is, he covers us, he indwells us, he immerses us within the body of Christ. Then there's the baptism of the cross, found in Mark chapter 10, 35 through 39. Jesus used this language to refer to his suffering and to the suffering of his disciples. And then there is the baptism of believers, found in Matthew 28, 19. This is an outward symbol of the Holy Spirit's work in the believer's heart. Now, of the seven baptisms that I've just mentioned, there's two that have a greater significance for believers today. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that happens at the moment of salvation, and then the baptism of believers, which identifies us with Christ and with his church. The other baptisms, while they are important and they are biblical, they are unique to other times and to certain people, as well as to future events. So I want us to now focus on Acts chapter 8. And the reason this is such a great text is because it covers so many of the basics when it comes to baptism. It's important that you know the story as we work our way through the text. So here's the story. In previous verses, Philip was preaching the gospel in Samaria. An angel of the Lord came to Philip and he told him, go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, the angel of the Lord did not tell him why he was supposed to go, did not tell him what was going to happen once he arrived. He just says, you need to go, and Philip obeyed. So when Philip got there, this Ethiopian eunuch was sitting in a chariot reading from the book of Isaiah. He was confused about what he was reading, and we find that Philip simply asked the question, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy said, no, Paul's right there. This might be one of the best things you get this morning. Are you ready for it? Here it is. Help follows honesty. Hold on to that for a moment. Help follows honesty. If you don't understand what the Bible's saying, be honest. If you're hurting, be honest. If you're confused, be honest. Help follows honesty. 
Uh, Fake it till you make it is bad spiritual advice. Now, some people will never get the help that they need because they're not honest about their need. Let's go a step beyond that. Some people will never get the help they need because they are unwilling to accept the help that is offered. Let's go one step beyond that. Some people will never get the help they need because the church is not being the church. That's like three messages right there for another time. But y'all hold on to that. So based on verses 34 and 35, Philip started where the man was and preached Jesus to him. Now, we don't know what that looked like. It might have been five minutes. It could have been five hours for all we know. What we do know is he started where he was and he preached Jesus to him. Here's an important idea. When you understand the gospel, where they are will always link to who Jesus is. Okay, here's what I mean by that. The human condition is universal. That is, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All people need purpose in life. All people look for for freedom. All people search at some point along the way for significance and for forgiveness. There's a part of it that is a universal condition of humanity. So if somebody is searching for purpose, they will find their ultimate purpose in relationship with Jesus. If somebody is searching for identity, they find their true identity in Christ. If you're searching for forgiveness... You'll find it in Jesus. If you need grace, if you need hope, if you need life, I know a guy and his name is Jesus. What we're looking for is found in him. So after Philip shared the news, the Ethiopian eunuch saw water and he asked him, what would get in the way of him being baptized? Now ask yourself the question, why would this guy see water and immediately associate it with baptism? Go back to your big truth. Christian baptism is a symbolic act of obedience that identifies a person with Jesus while telling the gospel story. Now, we have to be careful here, careful that we allow Scripture, not our traditions, not our denominational practices, not our personal opinions, to direct how we think about baptism. So I want us to break this statement down into smaller portions. Here's the first part of our statement. Christian baptism is a symbolic act. Let's stop right there for a moment. A symbol represents something else. One of the most well-known symbols in our culture is a wedding ring. Okay, when somebody has a wedding ring, the the ring for that couple represents the covenant relationship they entered into as well as their love for each other. Now, somebody wearing a ring does not make them married. But for someone who is married, that ring now symbolizes that they are in covenant relationship with somebody else. In the same way, baptism is one in which when a person enters covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ, they repent of their sin by placing faith in Jesus. That covenant is symbolized through baptism. Now listen closely. Being baptized does not make somebody a Christian. But once somebody is a Christian, being baptized is a symbol to let the world know they are in covenant relationship with God. 
both symbols take significance after the covenant has occurred. So look at what it says in verses 36 through 38. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. The only prerequisites for believer's baptism is belief in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now that word believe, it has two different parts. Part is intellectual agreement, and the other part is entrusting oneself. Now this is important that we distinguish between the two because there's a lot of people who believe in the historical Jesus. They believe that he was a real man. They believe that he walked on the earth 2,000 years ago. They believe he was a great teacher. They believe he had disciples. They believe he was a miracle worker. They believe he died on a Roman cross. Some even believe that he rose from the dead on the third day. They believe intellectually. But here's the thing. They don't believe in him as their Lord and Savior. They don't understand how his life and his death and his resurrection has any bearing on their life at this time. To entrust yourself to the gospel message, it means that you recognize you are a sinner and Jesus is the Savior. That person is recognizing that Jesus did not die on the cross for his sin. He died on the cross for our sin. They recognize there's nothing they could ever do to earn salvation. There's nothing they could ever do to make things right themselves. They recognize he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He rose three days later that we might have life, and he offers eternal life, a reconciled relationship to those who turn from their sin by placing faith in Jesus Christ. And that individual says, I want that. They say, I don't have a plan B. It's not that Jesus is one among many options. They're not hedging their bets and throwing Jesus in. Rather, they are saying, Jesus, will you save me? Hey, it's not, I just understand that you live. Will you save me? Will you take the finished work of the cross and apply it to my life? When a person does that, they're saved. Christian baptism is a symbolic act, here it is, of obedience. Just before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he gave a final command found over in Matthew 28, 19. He said, go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's very clear. As somebody enters covenant relationship, as they are a follower of Christ, he says, baptize them. Name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So who exactly should be baptized? Any person who has repented of their sin by placing faith in Jesus Christ needs to be baptized. Does that mean that children can be baptized? If they have repented of their sin by placing faith in Jesus Christ, they 100% can be baptized. So what if a person doesn't know a lot about the Bible? Can they be baptized? Absolutely. Baptism has nothing to do with your Bible knowledge. It has everything to do with covenant relationship with God. What if a person's not a Baptist? Can they be baptized? Yes. <laughs> Baptism is not a denominational thing. It is a Christian thing. 
Being baptized does not make you a Baptist any more than raising your hands makes you a Pentecostal. So when should a person be baptized? Well, the eunuch in Acts 8 was baptized immediately. The 3,000 on the day of Pentecost were baptized the same day. Cornelius, Lydia, the Philippian jailer, their households, they had a similar experience based on Acts chapter 10 and chapter 16. The pattern of the New Testament is that believers are baptized immediately or very soon after entering covenant relationship with Christ. Let's continue with our phrase. Christian baptism is a symbolic act of obedience. Here it is, that identifies a person with Jesus. In baptism, we identify with him in his death, his burial, in his resurrection. If you want to know more of what that identification looks like, read Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. It makes the connection between identification and baptism. Now go back for just a moment to our wedding ceremony analogy. That is, in a ceremony, identification also happens with a name change. If you'll notice, often the bride's last name changes to that of the groom's last name. There's identification that is happening. So, for example, in our wedding ceremony, at the very end, the pastor said, I'd like to present to you Mr. and Mrs. Paul Gotthardt. That is, for myself and Bria, we are now identified together, and she's also seen to be identified in me, in my name. The same is true when it comes to baptism. In the New Testament, you'll notice that the church is called the bride, and Jesus is the bridegroom. By the way, there's also a name change that happens. When you enter covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ, guess what your name changes to? You a Christian. You know what that means? Little Christ. It means you are identified with him. Here's the next one. Christian baptism is a symbolic act of obedience that identifies a person with Jesus while telling the gospel story. Jesus gave two sacraments to his church to remember his death. Baptism is a one-time occurrence to mark our new life in Christ. Communion is an ongoing ordinance to remind us of the price that was paid for our redemption. Every time a person is baptized, if they are baptized biblically, after salvation, by immersion, every time that happens, you'll notice that the story of the gospel is shared. Look at these three phrases found in verses 38 and 39. It says that the eunuch went down in the water, symbolizing death. He baptized him. Baptizo, it means to immerse, to take under the water. It symbolizes his burial. And then he came up out of the water, verse number 39, symbolizing the resurrection. You'll often find at the very end of a, a time of somebody being baptized, the pastor or whoever's baptizing them might say something like this, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, and here it is, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Okay, there's an identification piece that tells the gospel story. The gospel speaks of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Every baptism in the New Testament followed that same format. Here's how simple it was. A person believes in Jesus as Lord and Savior. God, in his grace, saves that person. 
And in an act of obedience and identification, they are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you have repented of your sin by placing faith in Jesus Christ and you have not been baptized, I want to encourage you today to step forward in obedience with Christ. It is a trust and obey proposition. If you wait for everybody to be in town before you get baptized, you will probably never get baptized. If you wait until you understand everything about the Bible before you get baptized, I guarantee you, you will never get baptized. If you wait until you feel worthy of salvation and baptism, uh, you're probably never going to get baptized. So people might be wondering, like, what do I do? Because maybe I was baptized as an infant. Does that count? Okay, hear me clearly on this. There's no question that an infant baptism initiated by parents and family is meaningful in that family. That is not believer's baptism. The believer's baptism we see in the New Testament happens after repentance has occurred. It is to show somebody has entered covenant relationship, not the hopes that they will enter covenant relationship. So maybe you've been baptized before, but you were actually saved later. Should you be rebaptized? Well, let's go back to what is biblical baptism. Biblical baptism happens after salvation and by immersion. You say, but Paul, you don't understand. I've been at this church a long time. I've taught Sunday school. I sing in the choir. What are people going to say if I get baptized today? It's going to be awkward. I understand what you're talking about. And I'd like to share a little story with you. Let's step into Paul's story time. I made a profession of faith two weeks before I was three years old. I was in a grocery store parking lot. And I told my mom I didn't want to die and go to hell and would she tell me how to go to heaven. And my mom prayed with me in a grocery store parking lot. I was baptized at five years old. But I never had assurance of my salvation. Every time the gospel was ever presented, I felt this unsettledness in my spirit. You need to get saved. You need to get saved. And I kept praying a prayer because I thought a prayer was going to save me. But here's the thing. I was trying to get God to do a bargain with me. I thought if I prayed a prayer, that was it. He wasn't looking for anything on my side. He wanted me to repent of my sin by placing faith in Jesus. It wasn't until the summer of 1994 in a hotel room in Clemson, South Carolina, at the age of 21, that I got saved. When I got saved... The first time in my life, I felt like I was whole. I was excited. I, I went to church constantly. I was reading my Bible constantly. Uh, my, my desires changed. I, I ended up finishing my undergrad degree. I went into a mentoring program for ministry. I went through seminary. I had been a pastor for three and a half years. And then I am teaching on baptism one Sunday morning. And God brought me under conviction that my baptism was on the wrong side of my salvation. 
So in North Carolina on a Sunday morning after me baptizing 10 other people, the last guy turned around and baptized me as a pastor. I understand awkward. I understand confusing. Could you imagine the conversations down at the restaurant with the Methodist after the service? How was y'all's service today? It was good. Worship was strong. Preaching pretty solid. Our pastor got baptized this morning. <laughs> oh, 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 no, no. You mean your pastor baptized us? Oh, he did that too, but he also got right with God and got baptized. Here's my reason for saying that. Don't let fear hold you back in obedience. Don't let what you think somebody else might say hold you back. At the end of the day, we stand before God alone. In our hearts, we have to know, God, am I right with you? And by the way, in this church, when somebody takes a step forward in obedience to Jesus, this is a church that celebrates people walking forward in obedience. So today, if you have placed faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, but you have not been baptized. I want to give you that opportunity today. We got the tank filled. We got multiple pastors ready to go. We got clothes for you to change into. We have towels for you to dry off on. We have cameras ready to take the most beautiful pictures you've ever seen in your life. The question is going to be, if God's talking to you this morning, will you be willing to step forward in obedience and identification with Christ? So in just a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to open up a time of invitation. And this morning, if you need to be baptized, there's going to be pastors down at the end of these different rows. And there's going to be pastor's wives. There's going to be counselors. If you need to take that step, here's, here's your part. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat, wherever you might be, mezzanine, balcony, bottom floor, wherever you might be. I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat, walk down, tell one of the pastors or counselors, I need to be baptized. If that happens, they're going to ask you a couple of questions. They're going to make sure you're ready for this, and they will take it from there. In a crowd of this size, I guarantee you, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of people in this room right now who God's speaking to you. Teenager, is he talking to you? Senior adult, is he talking to you? Mom, dad, you got your kids right next to you. Is he talking to you? You might say, Paul, I don't want to be the only one. We got that too. There's 10 already ready to be baptized this morning. You are not alone. We have children through senior adults being baptized this morning. Here's the thing. If God is prompting you, let today be the day you say, I am not ashamed to identify with Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you would, bow with me for prayer. And pastors, you can come. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we are asking this morning that you alone would do what only you can do in this place. God, we are praying today that there would be dozens and dozens of people this morning who say, I am not ashamed to identify with Christ, and they will come forward in believer's baptism. 
Lord, we are asking today that it would be a celebration. Lord, I pray that you would remove any obstacle, any fear, God. I pray that there's going to be people that they are going to step out because it's in their obedience that others will have the courage to take the next step. Lord, may you alone be glorified in this place as only you can do. And God, we're going to thank you and we're going to praise you for what you do at this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. So if you would stand where you're at right now, there's going to be multiple songs that are going to be sung this morning. There is time for you. So I am going to encourage you, if you need to be baptized this morning, would you step forward, talk to one of our pastors, talk to one of our counselors, and let's take this next step of obedience with Christ. You are among friends this morning. We will celebrate with you.